This podcast is brought to you by the team at New Zealand Trucking Magazine. Remember to get your hands on the latest issue from your favourite retailer or subscribe now at nztrucking.co.nz. Keep on moving, the official podcast of New Zealand Trucking Media. Hello and welcome. Today we are having a chat with Dan Kahn, Chief Technology Officer and Co-Founder of Hiringa Energy. Dan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, now, regular readers of the magazine will be familiar with uh, Taranaki-based Hiringa Energy. Uh, it's a company that is doing big things in the space of alternative fuel and hydrogen-powered fuel cell commercial vehicles. Uh, but Dan, for those who might have missed the articles or who are listening from outside of New Zealand, maybe you can give us a better idea of who and what Hiringa Energy is. Sure. Yeah, we are um, really sort of a, an, an energy uh, energy project uh, focused company. So really, we're a, we're a startup. We're, we're focused on kind of breaking down or removing uh, the, the barriers to adopting hydrogen as whether a green transport fuel or uh, as an alternative industrial feedstock into other processes. Um, you know, we were founded a little over five years ago and sort of our um, employee base is sort of a mix of folks like me who have a predominantly a, a background in clean technology and um, also quite a few members from the conventional energy sector which is a big reason why we're uh, located in, in Taranaki, because we need to ensure that the infrastructure that we're building is, um, you know, safe from a hazardous substances point of view and high pressure gas, but also that we're able to build projects at scale to, you know, service the transport industry here in New Zealand and uh, have an impact on overall emissions. So, uh, so in that time, in those five years, how much has the, let's call it the energy transition, how much has that changed in that time? My guess is it's it's changed quite a lot. The The industry's advancing at quite a rapid pace at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 changed a whole lot. I mean, we used to joke about how, um, you know, we were like the the lone guy at the at the party dancing by themselves right when the band starts and, and no one else is there. Um, and then slowly now people are <laughs> joining us, I guess, in terms of, um, you know, on this on this transition, you know, for me, I've spent my whole working career in, in the clean technology space and what started as something that, you know, you, you intended for a career with, you know, essentially a lab coat on is, you know, now something where we're fortunate enough to be able to have conversations like this with with industry um, to to really start adopting this this technology in, in their business as usual. So, um, like I said, over over that five year time period, you know, we've really gone from having a vision around this to, you know, now I would say hydrogen and uh, particularly, but also with all most, you know, renewable energy and energy transition technologies are starting to become very much focused, not just in the medium and long term, but actually in the short term planning for businesses across, you know, whether it's transport, but also uh, heavy industrial users and chemical feedstocks, things like that. So it's it's really an exciting time in, in my uh, point of view to really start seeing some tangible progress in this space. Right, yeah. Over, over the last few months, there's been quite a lot of news coming out 
um, from yourselves um, about some projects on the go, um, partnerships with Waitomo, TR Group. Um, can you tell us a little bit about those and uh, maybe what's on the drawing board for the future? Sure. Yeah. So if you look at sort of the, the core um, infrastructure network that we're, we're building across New Zealand, which we're starting with sort of four high capacity green hydrogen refueling stations on the North Island and really in the next you know few years, rapidly trying to expand that to about 24, 25 stations and sort of three to four years beyond that. And the really key part about that, I think, is if you um, look at hydrogen and, and what it offers, I guess, to the transport industry, whether it's, um, you know, fast refueling or, you know, bigger payloads or longer range um, to, compared to sort of the other uh, uh, electric alternatives. Um, it's really all about, um, you know, trying to create a sort of business as usual experience. And so with that, um, that's why our partners, such as Waitomo and TR Group, are actually super important because, you know, from uh, where the infrastructure is located point of view, um, working with sort of conventional um, fuel stop operators that are, you know, moving into the alternative fuel space helps us, you know, find places to locate these stations that are convenient for the transport industry, which is, you know, ultimately um, what we're what we're trying to achieve here is a, is a transition um, and f- for them. So it's really important that these stations are located in places that are convenient that the user experience of coming to the station uh, also is, um, you know, the same as you would fill today with, with a diesel truck. So partnership with Waitomo is, is really important for us getting that right. And likewise uh, on the sort of market side, there's no point in us building these refueling stations <laughs> unless there's, you know, trucks to, to put them in. So, you know, our partnership with, with TR group really is so important for us to understand um you know, how operators use um, these vehicles, what vehicles are suitable and and which ones are not. Um, You know, there's all kinds of different companies developing new energy, um, uh, you know, vehicles, whether it's OEMs or startups. And, you know, if they don't get the truck right, then nobody's going to adopt it or use it because nobody is going to pick a technology that is, you know, much of a compromise compared to today. So TR Group has really helped us go from, well, you know, we know what a truck looks like to we know actually quite a bit more of the details around, you know, how important things, um, which obviously to this audience are going to be obvious, but things like axle weight configurations, um, you know, things like the overall dimensions of uh, whether it's a prime mover or, or a rigid chassis and, and, and how critical that is to actually making their business successful. Um, and so without TR Group, we would never have been able to understand the nuance and um, you know, they're such a key partner for us in terms of, again, trying to provide um, uh, a refueling infrastructure or solution to decarbonizing freight that is actually suitable for the heavy transport industry. Cause that's ultimately what we, we need to achieve for, for people to adopt the technology for right. us to make an impact and, and yeah, yeah, move away yeah. from those emissions. So, so Dion, if we look at the New Zealand picture, um, how do we compare to overseas markets when it comes to hydrogen, um, FCEVs, clean energy, and so on? You know, hydrogen in in New Zealand is really um, starting to emerge. We've we've had some um, some great leadership from companies like uh, Hyundai, Toyota, 
from uh, you know local integrating companies like uh, Global Bus Ventures, Emirates Team New Zealand, where people have taken those first steps to bring in vehicles, create programs, um, and and really show that this technology is here. Um, it's being used in places overseas, and we've even done incredibly innovative things, as I mentioned before, like the Team New Zealand Chase Boat, in which that was a locally built and integrated, um, you know, ten meter, uh, you know, chase boat. Uh, marine vessel that is doing you know over 50 knots on the water <laughs> yeah. you know and that project was done in something like you know nine months uh, and and so that is there's nowhere else in the world that's doing stuff like that so we actually have a huge um, local capability from an integration point of view that I think a lot of people here in New Zealand don't really know about but I think what's what's exciting about New Zealand is actually the opportunity that is in front of us um, you know we have a largely um, largely powered by renewable uh, electricity and energy system mm-hmm. that we can we can utilize to make hydrogen so it's actually green and and making an, a difference on in, on emissions but we also have a really i guess consolidated network um where you know from an infrastructure point of view we can put in something like you know four six eight refueling stations and have substantial coverage of you know, the main freight corridors that we use uh, here in New Zealand. And, you know, that's that's very unique. You know, where I'm from, you know, back in the United States, you know, you can have 40 refueling stations in Los Angeles and you can't even drive to, you know, the state north of there. So what we can achieve here in New Zealand from an infrastructure point of view is so powerful because if we actually locate these refueling stations in sort of key parts of the freight network, then it's not you know, just one, um, I guess, industry or, you know, um, or subset within the transport industry um, that needs to kind of take the plunge to, to unlock everything. You know, this way we can have, whether it's line haul, whether it's, um, you know, bulk haul or whether it's people moving, um, you know, refrigerated goods or all across all the different sectors, we can in some way, shape or form likely um, provide suitable infrastructure um with with a very small amount of of total stations and that helps us get the utilization up from day one and we can actually offer a service to quite a large um cross section of the industry from day one so you know like like i'm saying before that's quite unique similar you know in 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 europe with yes the distances are 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 of a similar distance but the crossing the borders makes that policy alignment really difficult so we're in a fortunate position where um, because of our borders, um, which is the ocean, <laughs> you know, it really helps us kind of uh, consolidate that effort and really, um, yeah, again, have, have something that might be suitable to a much larger cross-section of the industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, something like this is there's very much something that can't be done alone. Um, there's obviously a definite need for, as you've already outlined, a lot of the uh, partnerships that you have um, and I suppose also government needs to come to the party as well, don't they? Um, uh, one, your, one of your colleagues, um, Dion Cowley, has written for us in the magazine, um, and uh, he's he's commented on incentives and rug exemptions and and all these things that all these other pieces of the puzzle that need to come together um, to make uh, to make this transition happen, um, or, or at the very least to kick it off the ground. It is really important, and we have been fortunate enough uh, that. Uh, 
We've received concessional debt uh, to support the uh, infrastructure rollout that I mentioned before. That's administered by ICA um, from the Crown Infrastructure Partners. Um, and, um, you know, moving forward, it is really important to have government um, involvement to to help accelerate the, the transition, particularly if, you know, there's, you know, mandates or, um, the the big push to to have this transition happen, then there needs to be things that that help help with that. Um, you know, we definitely see a role for um, ongoing opex support being important, particularly in this early adoption stage. We've we have been big advocates for extending the RUC exemption just simply because it's a mechanism that's here and now. Uh, and as the um, overall penetration of these zero emission vehicles remains quite low in, in the fleet, we see that it can be kind of a, um, a very easy win in the beginning. Now, obviously, uh, the RUC is used for a very specific purpose. So should, you know, additional or emissions-based incentives that would overall, um, you know, provide the same sort of advantage for transitioning to a technology like this, whether it's an emission-based um, uh, whatever the um, sort of proposed mechanisms that are coming in, some of which are um, associated with a fee based on the overall emissions profile of the vehicle. Um, we would just continue to encourage that there are some ongoing operating advantages for, for um, you know, operators that take up these types of technologies in these early stages to encourage over the life of the vehicle or incentivize over the life of the vehicle that they remain competitive um, in you know a, a, a very sort of low margin environment um you know we also see things um that are very supportive in terms of you know taking a look or re-examining some of the vdam constraints around these vehicles because uh whether it's weight or length um challenges where we operate sort of in you know a fairly constrained space here in new zealand um you know being open to a conversation around what can we do to take a look at some of those that would allow us, um, you know, potentially better market access um, to, to these technologies? Because as you know, um, we do have very specific requirements here in New Zealand. And a lot of these OEMs or, um, you know, early vehicle integrators, um, you know, are only going to do very small production runs of some of these vehicles. So we are really actively trying to encourage um, some of these manufacturers to consider New Zealand as um, an, uh, uh, an early commercial demonstration environment because of what I mentioned we can do with the infrastructure. So from government's perspective, being open and being able to have some conversations with um, the, the manufacturers of these vehicles to allow them to bring in, you know, you know, maybe some of the vehicle platforms they're, they're looking at that are suitable for New Zealand, but, you know, more designed around the New or Australian road regulations, that there is, you know, consideration around taking a look at the VDAM and if there's, um, you know, opportunities to, you know, provide dispensation or exemptions around some of the, some of the specific requirements um, that would help us a lot in terms of, um, bringing in specific vehicle types. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, okay, so I guess the big question that would be on the lips of um, every truckie with diesel in their veins, um, <laughs> how how do these vehicles compare to internal combustion and I suppose to battery electric vehicles, uh, which are very much um, sort of in the limelight at the moment as well? Um, have you driven an, an FCEV? Um 
yeah, what are they like to drive? What can you tell us from that perspective? Yeah, no, I um, <laughs> I knew this this question was coming, so I was very uh, <laughs> I was happy to uh, to say that you know with our partners like TR Group, you know, I was fortunate enough to spend um, a bit of time driving uh, some of our uh, you know normal diesel trucks that we have um, here in, in New Zealand, and then um, uh, for the last month or so, we were fortunate enough to travel around into North America and Europe and drive a good cross-section of some of the FCV vehicles that are available today in, in those markets. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're going to have to take it with a grain of salt because I've probably driven trucks about enough times you can count on my my hands. But, um, you know, the the difference between the FCV and, and the, the ICE vehicles, it's very apparent. Um, I mean, the for those of you who've maybe driven BEV vehicles, it's very similar. The, the difference being that the FCVs are, are much larger but the low end, you know, sort of torque performance and um, is is amazing. You know, the the pickup with these vehicles and and often, you know, they'll run like three gears on a six gear transmission. So, you know, you're not shifting gears as you're accelerating. They really just put the foot down and and go. Um, you know, for me again, because I haven't really driven too many trucks, it it was it was incredible to me how fast I kind of normalized the experience. In terms of being comfortable driving, not you know going through all the shifts that yeah. were very apparent when I was driving the diesel trucks, and I guess what I can say, and um, I definitely don't want to put words in the mouth of our partner TR Group, but I saw each uh, one of those guys get out all the different trucks we drove with pretty big smiles on their faces. <laughs> so I don't think it was just me who enjoyed it, um, but uh, yeah, it was very noticeable in terms of you know particularly we were able to drive. Uh, a couple of the trucks loaded, which obviously is is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was uh, again amazing how quickly they kind of got up to cruising speed without feeling like they were working very hard. Obstacle to overcome, I think, will be that perception, won't it, um, on the part of the driver? But I also think uh, very much like like we're seeing with electric cars, and um, once once you're actually in the vehicle and you're actually driving it. Um, and you're you're used to it, and uh, you know what it's all about. Um, I think those perceptions do change very quickly. So when when do you think we'll start seeing um, hydrogen powered vehicles on the road in New Zealand? Well, I think you know we're luck- lucky enough that um, some of these vehicles are here already. So we have the NZ Post Hyundai uh, uh, vehicle, yes. which is really great to see. Um, we have some light duty vehicles that you might see around in the Auckland area and the Hyundai Nexo as well. Um, which uh, have been in the, uh, around here in New Zealand for a couple of years. And, and if you're in, uh, in, in the Auckland area around uh, the harbor, you, you might see the, the chase boat foiling um, around the Gulf, which is uh, pretty incredible as well. But really, you know, we're looking at, um, at getting our stations really commissioned and up and running sort of the beginning part of, uh, of, of next year and, you know, vehicles trickling in uh, for that. Oh, and I forgot, uh, you, you might also jump on the bus in, in Auckland as well, that GBV sort of built locally yes, yeah, true, uh, yeah. and, 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 and is operating today. So mm-hmm. they are around. Um, but really, you know, with our network, we'll, um, we'll be sort of putting the stations, getting commissions for the beginning part of next year and the vehicles starting to trickle in along that. I know some of the OEMs we've mentioned before have, uh, plans to bring in more vehicles uh, before the end of the year, um, and you know, really, next year will be the, you know, as far as we're concerned, sort of the the beginning of that real, um, you know, commercial adoption stage where you, you'll you'll be starting to see them. I think 
in your day, daily life, um, which is which is really exciting. Um, yeah, you know, we've all had our challenges in terms of uh, the delays we've seen with today's environment, COVID, yeah, supply yeah. chain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think really, true, truly, next year will um, will start to be, you know, people will start to have their goods delivered uh, and 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 mail and parcels and and all kinds of stuff. Uh, with the green freight miles, which is is you know the beginning of something really exciting. Yeah. So uh, so Dan, talking about um, specifically the vehicles that you guys will be offering um, alongside TR Group, um, what sort of operations will they be suited to? Where will we see them operating? You know, I I think really the best people to talk to about that would would be TR Group and and sort of the the other OEMs in in the market. But you know, compared to sort of the the battery electric vehicles, we we certainly look at you know offerings that require you know higher range than right now. People are looking at zero emissions and sort of looking at that maybe one two maybe three hundred kilometer ranges. Um, you know, and and we're really targeting upwards of over 400 to 500 to sort of 600. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, um, it, it's really in that space. Um, and in terms of, uh, when we look at, you know, what, what they're going to be suited for, um, you know, the, the weight class, I think really is a discussion with the, the vehicle provider themselves to make sure that in your configuration, whatever it may be, may be, or if you have any specifics, that you know how the rigging plays out and things like that. Um, you have a conversation with the likes of um, TR Group to make sure you, you understand and, and they understand exactly what you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's quite interesting. You mentioned that range, which is obviously also a huge consideration um, for alternative uh, pr- propulsion vehicles, um, and up to six hundred kilometers. I think that's that's quite substantial. And obviously, as you mentioned, your refueling network um, being spaced out the way it, it will be. Um, yeah, there's probably no reason you couldn't you couldn't drive one from from Auckland to Invercargill, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we hope that um, um, you know, as as we expand and and um, as you know, the network becomes you know, uh, I guess more far reaching. That really, there's there's no limits in terms of um, getting this technology out on the roads and being used to to deliver product. Yeah, yeah. So, so as you mentioned, first vehicles expected on the road next year, hopefully. Uh, what can fleets start doing now to prepare for the future? What should they be thinking about? I think it's it's really about starting to have these uh, conversations about people in the space. I think, as I mentioned at the beginning of this, at least from an infrastructure point of view, our mission is to make adopting, um, you know, zero emission technologies into the fleet as easy as possible. You know, we think hydrogen offers um, a really good solution for, for folks who need that sort of business as usual infrastructure type of applications where, you know, they might be limited with respect to their own depots or that it's just the way their business needs to operate is to fuel on the road or to fuel at, um, you know, like a conventional diesel station today. So we really want to make sure we understand from you, you know, what are the challenges and what can we do with, you know, given the constraints of where the technology is at today and where it's going, but what can we do in terms of making that um, easier? Because I think there's a lot of pressure on the transport industry to make a change. And, you know, there's not always a lot of people out there trying to help. Um, and, and, you know, I think, as I mentioned before, before we started speaking with the TR group, 
like I said, I could tell you what a truck looks like and that's about it. And, you know, it, it's that input from the transport industry in, in terms of, you know, hey, we would look at going to green or zero emission technology if, you know, A, B, C, D. Um, and we want to hear those things and do what we can to, to sort of make it happen because, um, you know, that's, that's anyway, that's, that's the most important. So what, when you're asking me, you know, what can you do to be prepared? I think it's start having those engagements, have a conversation with TR Group, um, about what they see is happening. Have a conversation with Hyundai, who's, you know, offering a different vehicle type into the market and, you know, see, see what, what you get out of it. Um, and, you know, for a lot of people at this stage, maybe that's not going to be suitable, but have a, um, with your own fleet, you know, start to think about, you know, this transition is coming and what, um, you know, what would we need to, to make it happen? Because whether it's engaging with us or whether it's engaging with government, um, I think it's, it's really important to clearly articulate what those needs are so that the policy settings can be right, that the infrastructure can be built right, and that we can be advocating for getting the right vehicles for what we need here, you know, what we need here for, for you. Um, you know, I think there's a really, or we have a good window of time where we can build this infrastructure and, and really be world leading in terms of the overall industry and then actually really attract some of the bigger OEMs or other players or, you know, the OEMs who are here already to deliver the right types of trucks for us uh, in New Zealand if we don't move quickly enough or we don't indicate that, you know, we're going to have a demand for some of this technology, some of the other markets will get infrastructure in place to kind of open it up faster. And then we'll have more challenges getting the trucks that we need for, for, um, for New Zealand, just because of um, the relative um, bespoke elements of the, the ways that, you know, trucks are, are used here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So those, those conversations obviously key, um, and yeah, I think uh, on, on the other hand, I think um, a lot of people sort of get stuck in the mindset of doing things a certain way, um, and and yes, I I mean diesel is cleaner and, and more efficient than it's ever been, and it's it's not going to be replaced anytime soon. Um, but yeah, there's there's no doubt that um, as as the move to alternative propulsion accelerates, um, there won't be a one size fits all silver bullet approach. Um, and yeah, I think I think you guys are you're onto a real good thing, and um, I'm I'm really excited for what the future holds. Yeah, thanks. So are, so are we. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, now we're in for some interesting times indeed. Um, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Dan Khan, Chief Technology Officer and Co-founder of Haringa Energy. Um, yeah, really enjoyed the conversation, and um, hope to catch up again sometime soon. Yeah, likewise, and it's my pleasure. The Keep On Moving podcast is a production of New Zealand Trucking Media.